Now here we go. Jim, Jim, Jim. Time of the week where people gather around the radio. Jim, They chant my name, and as one texture says, hey, enthusiastically looking forward to you not being funny tonight. Thank you. And here it begins. Scientists say sleeping is healthier than sitting. Fortunately, for the show that we got planned for you today, you can do both. A company will pay you $2,000 to watch 12 Hallmark movies. I know what you're thinking, people who are interested in that. That's 57 bags of cat food. Exercise is as effective as medication for depression. Problem is, the thought of exercise is making me depressed. And finally, Geography Awareness Week. Most Canadians, I think, are terrible at, uh, I just asked somebody in the hallway, what, name me four oceans. And maybe they weren't incorrect. They said Atlantic, Pacific, and I said, yeah, and Frank and Billy. Okay, technically, maybe I had to be a little more specific. It's News Talk tonight on the iHeartRadio Talk Network. Here's your host, Jim Richards. I love the fact that the city of Toronto, and if you don't live in Toronto, congratulations. Maybe when you come here, you're like, what the hell do you guys have these streetcars for? Like everybody does. Everybody will get in the car and they'll go, "What? what's the deal with the streetcars? Well, right now, every road is being torn up. So with the announcement, and I know it's going to be in a couple of years, but I love the announcement. Hey, we're getting more streetcars that won't be able to go anywhere. Fantastic move. Now. 71010, this is just for the doctors, and according to the numbers I'm seeing, the data says that Jim Richards is doing very well with the doctors. I want the doctors to listen to this and tell me if it's true. This is a doctor saying, hey, if you got a doctor's appointment, she doesn't care if you're showered or if you're, um, I don't know, if the business district is looking okay. You do not need to do any special grooming to come to the doctor. No shaving, no waxing, special cleansing, none of that. We've literally seen it all. If this is our job, what we do for a living. Really? I don't know. If I'm a doctor, because uh, I've been going to see a lot of doctors and I'm always having a shower, because I think that that would, be, uh, that would be the number one thing that I would want to see. I would want to know that somebody had a dog. Like, if it's an emergency, I, I'm not, not going to be the emergency room doctor, but this lady. Number two, you do not need to do any special grooming to come to the doctor. No shaving, no waxing, special cleansing, none of that. We've literally seen it all. If this is our job, what we do for a living. I mean, if you're at the emergency room, it's like, okay, what do we got? Do we got any unshowered people? We'll take you first because we know that that's an emergency. Maybe that's the quickest way to triage people in the emergency room. Who had a shower? Okay, you can wait. Because these other people, they're going to either get funkier or their problem is too too serious that they needed to. What did you want to say, Tony? At least you shower for the doctor. I shower all of the time. What are you saying? I'm playing. I thought it was just uh, well, Yeah, thing. no, it's great, Tony. It's absolutely <laughs> great. Love it. Uh, thanks for the contribution. <laughs> Jim Richards has issues. On the iHeartRadio Talk Network. Uh, do I ever. Montreal, big news earlier today. Sources tell CTV News that organized crime figure Gregory Woolley was killed in a parking lot east of Montreal. Police received reports of gunfire around 10.30 this morning in a parking lot about 40 minutes east of Montreal. That's where officers found the body of the 51-year-old. He was considered one of the most powerful organized crime figures in Quebec. 
ties to the Hells Angels and the Montreal Mafia. Officers say the suspected shooter fled the scene in a black SUV. So they're looking for who the shooter is, and it sounds like there might be payback, but this guy sounded like he's done a lot. Here's investigative journalist Julian Shear from Montreal. Gregory Woolley was one of the most fascinating and powerful members of Montreal's organized crime scene, somebody who was tied to the street gangs, to the Hells Angels, and to the mafia, um, uh, uh, a really rare uh, gangster. He was a, a black member of a Hells Angels uh, support group called the Rockers, when the Hells Angels usually don't accept uh, non-whites. Um, he was tied to Vito Rizzuto, uh, the godfather of, of the mafia. Um, he was able to get off of three murder charges, not just one, not three. just two, not just three. Uh, but in the end, uh, his life of violence and being tied to so many murders obviously caught up with him. So a good history in the underworld in Montreal. He, he had a street sense and a ruthlessness. He started off um, with uh, Montreal street gangs and then is able to convince Maurice Montboucher, the famous head of the Hells Angels, um, to let him join the Rockers, which were really a strike force that Maurice Montboucher used during the famous biker wars, if you remember in the 1990s when more than 160 people were killed and he's so powerful and so influential he's there when mom boucher gets acquitted in one of the uh, first trials in fact even from prison when he was in prison serving time for various charges he is still according to the police and will later be charged with running a massive drug trafficking ring so, so that's a little that's... bit about who this guy was we'll dig deeper with one of this country's greatest journalists when it comes to covering the underworld in this country. Peter Edwards is going to join us a little bit later on, but perhaps people in organized crime, they uh, are, are feeling like, hey, there's not a lot of people watching them these days. That's because the RCMP severely understaffed. I don't know how. I mean, they probably need to hire about 500 more officers, get out of the small towns, and concentrate on things like this. Concentrate on things like election interference with China. But why? Why aren't people signing up to be in the RCMP? Well, it's terrible. You'd almost think government is just trying to push the RCMP out of the business. Uh, but organized crime and threats to terrorism and drug uh, trafficking and all that's not going away. So that This is our friend Chris Lewis, former head of the OPP in Ontario. ...funded for that type of work, uh, that kind of we call the federal work, uh, since probably around the time of the attack in Ottawa in the Parliament building. So since then, every RCMP in Ontario and Quebec uh, are doing surveillance on anyone that may look like they somehow were associated to a terrorist group, uh, which is... And the other story that we're going to dig deep on... Um... Uh, I have secured initial commitments uh, from the top five grocers to take concrete actions uh, to stabilize food prices. And this in liberal Canada. government hopes that you have a short attention span. I remember when they made that announcement. That's the industry minister. He was so happy, and he's like, he's at the podium saying, "Yeah, I talked to the big grocers." I've been looking at some flyers this morning, 
and you already see action uh, in terms That's of That's how flyers goals. work, dude. Like he came to the podium and said, hey, the flyers have sales. Does this guy, has this guy ever seen a flyer before? So now we've seen that nothing has really gone down. Grocery stores continue to make huge profits, but a deal earlier today that will break down for you, there's allegedly some crackdowns on, uh, crackdown on some of the grocers. But let's play a game. Is this politics or is this actual better prices? I'm going to say that it's just politics and nothing will change. For this liberal government who got real excited about trying to find some savings for people when... Uh, not in the last year when, uh, you know, the cost of things was bad, affordability was bad. But when they got about 19, 19 poll, poll points down in the poll, that's when they really decided that they would care. Here's Thomas Mulcair on the iHeart uh, Talk Radio Network earlier saying, you know what, some of these moves are going to bring some savings, but more in the rent field than in the grocery field. Well, the, the most important detail is that they're going to be providing financial help to the average family. And that's going to be very good news for them because that's why they put the word groceries in there at the last budget. They wanted people to concentrate on the fact that they were answering the key criticism of the conservatives, mm-hmm. which is cost of living, high cost of food, especially. Look, Richard, you saw the news that came out this week with regard to the outrageous profits mm-hmm. of uh, the, the big firms like Loblaws. I mean, it's it's, it's unbelievable so how much money. So, again, they're... this is all politics. Uh, the Liberal government wants to have something seen to have been done than actually be done. And the NDP taking a victory lap, saying this is a win when hardly anything will change. And the grocery prices, if you check back in with these guys in their victory lap, won't change either. That on the rundown and more next on the iHeart Talk Radio Network. News Talk Tonight is on with your host, Jim Richards, on the iHeart Radio Talk Network. All of that is true, and thank you very much for your time. This is the iHeart Talk Radio Network. Scott Reed is going to join us a little bit later on. We'll look back at, um, I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, I taped the interview already. It's supposed to be a look back at some of the big issues of the past week, but we just ended up talking about him drinking with George W. Bush. That's most of the interview. Him uh, and him being fascinated that every time he met George W. Bush, George W. Bush would remember him. Hey, there's the guy who likes the beer and George W. Bush pushing his beer on Scott Reed, except have you ever had a friend that quit drinking and they have their favorite non-alcoholic beer and they're like, no, try it. It tastes just like beer. Go ahead. Try it. That's basically his story. So maybe we won't even play the interview any longer. Coming up in a half an hour. I'm pretty sure that's how you're supposed to sell ahead. Coming up, that thing that I just said is going to be garbage in a half an hour right here on the iHeartTalk radio network. Set your watches. Let's get into the rundown right now. Dan Laxer is uh, with us right now. He is uh, a host on our uh, on CJAD in Montreal. You can hear him Sunday on the trivia show. Dan, thank you very much for your time. Good morning. My pleasure. And also, where are you calling from, uh, Dan? Good morning. <laughs> it's, it's a thing I do 
I just say good morning. All right. I like it. But Uh, I'm aware that it's Friday night. Okay. Very good. I was just wondering if maybe you're in a different time zone. Uh, Andrew, (laughs) what time zone are you in? Eastern time for the time being. Get a few drinks into me and then maybe we'll talk. All right. Uh, How about the near beers? Do you like the near beers? Uh, I've never had one, actually. Have you guys? You've never had one? No, I've never had. Yeah, it me, me neither. I, uh, I don't. Uh, way I don't too see many the point. of them these days. I stopped drinking about three months ago. I shouldn't say that because one day I'm going to have oh. a drink and somebody's going to be ah, you fell off the bad way. <laughs> uh, I what I'm saying now is because I didn't mean to quit. I just haven't had another drink, and uh, I have, and and I'm convinced that because there's so much sugar in them, one day I had five of them and I felt like garbage the next day. Not hungover, but just really foggy and lethargic. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. There's kind of a different kind of side effect. Uh, but yeah, yeah, much better than waking up from uh, from uh, having a few too many, you know what I mean? All right. Uh, not on the docket here, guys, but rocked by breaking news earlier today that Snoop Dogg no longer associated with <laughs> marijuana. Did you guys both hear this? Did, did, is yes. It one of those things yeah. where you had to do one of those dog tilt heads and look at the radio or look at the speaker or look at the screen or whatever you got, wherever you got the yeah. information from? Well, oh, just looking last night, I got this breaking news alert. Yeah, because people were following it. And uh, the idea, because, you know, you've got your brand so wrapped up in this, right? From, exactly. From the yeah. Snoop Dogg perspective, I think that's what kind of shocks everybody is where do you go from here? But I, I do wish him well, because in a sense, um, I, I this is pure speculation, but one would think this has to be kind of uh, his choice because of, of medical or what he thinks about the future. Pure speculation, of course, but he's made this decision for a reason. So I uh, wish him well. As someone, but who, he also the news story I heard said he he's not he's he's going to stop smoking marijuana. I okay, assume that okay. means he's still going to do the edibles. Yeah, uh, right. I'm guessing you know when you smoke the amount that he would probably have to have some sort of effect on him. Yeah, that that that's going to be bad for you after a while. I'm I'm guessing if you've done it as long as him, if uh, everybody's always giving you the best stuff, right? Wherever he goes. Sure, it's a tough life. Hey, try this, try this. Uh, I wonder if George Bush is pushing his near beer on him, but probably not. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, that the brand association with Snoop Dogg, there's probably not as, but but you're right, uh, Dan, that there's a lot of different ways you could go there with edibles and uh, I don't know uh, mushrooms and any number of different things. But probably mm-hmm. smoking anything as much as he did is not going to be good for you after a while. Right. Well, and that's what the experts say too. And you know, as recreational cannabis has become more popular, is that it is healthier to ingest it through the drinks or or edibles or or much like that. It's much better for your body than smoking it. Mm-hmm. Uh, for our friends in the Jewish community, a lot of people thought that the way Justin Trudeau was calling out the uh, country of Israel, that it might do more damage on the home front. But, you know, in, in the, what got lost in that story was at the same time he said Hamas should stop, you know, hiding amongst the people. I'm not giving him a pass on what he said, but it's amazing that he made, you know, I, I, he's... He had both sides as angry at him since October the 7th. Clearly, the Jewish community and Israel angry with Justin Trudeau. And we saw what happened at that restaurant in Vancouver. And Trudeau earlier today, while at the Apex Summit in San Francisco, says that Israel's hurting the peace process in Gaza. Uh, and decries Canadians lashing out. 
thoughts on this as he doesn't let this thing die, Dan? Well, it's kind of twofold. I mean, as you point out, everyone's angry. And when it comes to the Middle East, uh, those of us who work in the media, it's almost impossible to please everyone at the same time. Because if you do a radio show in support of Israel, the Palestinians are going to get mad at you. And if you do a radio show in support of the Palestinians, the Israelis and the Jews are going to get mad at you. You can't do a radio show in support of both at the same time. That said, um, what confuses me about the current story, because, I mean, I don't think Trudeau's been handling this the, the right way. You can't, you, you can't, support. I mean, you as a Canadian prime minister, you have to try to support both sides. But as I say, it's almost impossible. So he's saying it's making it harder to achieve peace in the region. Making it harder for whom exactly? For him? For Canada? Because yeah. I don't know that it's necessarily up to Canada or Trudeau to achieve stability in the Middle East. What I want Trudeau to do, what it's up to Trudeau to do, is see to it that he's maintaining stability here. And he's failing at that hard. As a Jewish Canadian, what I need him to do is let the Israeli government do what they think is right by their people. And for him to do what he needs to do, what needs to be done to ensure safety of Canadians here at home. Right. We're seeing institutions, Jewish institutions all across the country being attacked. And he says, and I pointed this out last Friday, he's using the passive voice. This needs to stop. What I want him to say is take responsibility and say, I'm going to stop this. And my question for him and for the provincial and municipal levels of government is, what are you prepared to do to stop this? Well said. What about you, Andrew? Yeah, I think the the way that uh, Trudeau has kind of presented it, I, I've always come to mind if you if you make all sides angry, you're kind of maybe along this uh, along the right path. But obviously, when we're talking about two different things in terms of long term stability in the Middle East and the Gaza Strip, and uh, short term peace and uh, getting hostages back and kind of sorting out October seventh and things like that, so it is very hard to have a nuanced conversation. But mm-hmm. uh, I, I think Justin Trudeau is also trying to. Uh, think of domestic politics as well in, in terms of, um, you know, fighting for Palestinian uh, human rights uh, aspects of this in terms of the hospitals and different bombings and things like that. So I, I think, unfortunately, there is kind of a domestic political play added as well in terms of uh, playing that side. But I think everybody can kind of agree that terror attacks are, are bad. And well, also b- bombing hospitals is probably bad, too. Uh, story well, well, that's it. I mean, you, you talk about supporting Palestinian human rights. You have to ask the question, and there is an answer. What's really standing in the way of Palestinian human rights? You're right. It's the fact that they want to uh, eliminate the state of Israel. So let's ask uh, another question of you in Montreal, and that would go hand in hand with some sad news in Toronto. Police investigating after bomb threat made in a Jewish school. But you've seen a lot of that, unfortunately, in Montreal. And you've also seen, for lack of a better term, Montreal's anti-hate czar seemingly on the sidelines until called out, posting protests about uh, support of Palestinians, but not coming to the defense of the Jewish community in Montreal. And that would be your gig yeah uh and i'm gonna i'm gonna join the course and say uh she needs to go she needs she needs to admit uh what she really stands for and step down from at least that position because you can't be an anti-racism uh uh, czar and and uh and not call out racism and not call out uh acts of hatred 
against one community and not another. It's just not, uh, that's just not on for me. Yeah, you're being paid to be the anti-hate czar and doesn't call out uh, anti-Semitism in the city of Montreal until she's called out. With Andrew Pinson tomorrow morning on CFRA starting at 6 a.m. till 11. Dan Laxer's in Montreal and on your radio on CJAD Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock. I'm Jim Richards and the rundown continues on the iHeart Talk Radio Network in moments. Welcome back to News Talk Tonight with Jim Richards on the iHeart Radio Talk Network. And we're back in the iHeart Talk Radio Network. I am Jim Richards. You're listening to my very enthusiastic voice. I see out of the corner of my eye on the T in the V, my nemesis, Avery Haynes, who uh, we should try to get on the show one of these days, Avery Haynes, uh, because... Uh, for several different reasons. I'm trying to find the clips where she's bad-mouthing me, but I can't find them. Nobody cares. Let's move this thing along with the uh, likes of Dan Laxer, who's going to have to uh, bad-mouth me instead of Avery Haynes. You can listen to him on CJD in Montreal at 9 o'clock in the morning on Sunday. Andrew Pensant is also uh, worthy of bad-mouthing me uh, 6 until 11 tomorrow morning on uh, CFRA in Ottawa or wherever you are in this fine country on the iHeart Talk radio network on the iHeart app on CFRA. Okay, the uh, where were you guys yesterday when you found the shocking news that plastics might not be banned? I think every store that we're going to now, uh, random convenience stores, delivery of food still might use the plastic bag. Man, I, uh, I I get too much delivery, and the amount of crap and plastic in that, not all of it is like a, a biodegradable kind of like a hard paper, crusty shell thing. Uh, but it looks like many of the businesses got up to speed on getting rid of single-use plastics. Are you guys uh, longing for the straw to make a comeback, or are you more excited about the Andre 3000 comeback and his flute album? Which one are you more happy to see? Uh, let's start off with you, Andrew. Can I go with neither? No, I, no, I, I think, you know, we have made a lot of progress with this. And like you say, the retailers and restaurants and other kind of convenience stores have, have made the switch, right? We've, we've made the adoption and, you know, the sky hasn't fallen at this point, as I think some people kind of liked it, likened it to be at the time. So if we do kind of have to take a step back on this, I, I do kind of question whether or not, you know, we are uh, handling this the right way because we, we have shown that it can be done. And how much stuff has already been dealing with with climate change and pollution or ocean and stuff. I just think it, it, it would be kind of sad if we did end up taking a step back. I do wish somebody had. And this is me, folks, way off on a tangerine. And I apologize for that. But <laughs> I do wish we had a way to repurpose the cloth bags because I got a gazillion of them. And I get it that you can't bring them back to the store because maybe yeah, the meat juice is all over it or, you know, your fruit got uh, your blueberries got crushed and there's like a blueberry stain and it's crusty and it's moldy. I get that that's not probably a cool thing but i really and this is a different topic sorry to lead you into this dan i really no, wish we okay. uh, could, could figure i'm glad out somebody brought this up what to do yeah. with, the, with, with the cloth bags it's more of a prob problem for me anyway because the hell do you do with them but uh take that wherever you'd like dan 
Well, I mean, depending on what kind of cloth bag you're talking about, they can be laundered. But the interesting thing is, you know, you go back to my grandmother's day in Europe. That's how they used to shop in Europe. They had a bag in their house and they needed they didn't go do a whole full, you know, fill up the SUV order. They would just go to the grocery store every day for what they needed that day. And they would carry a little cloth bag or a, or a net bag and just put everything in, put everything in there. And it wasn't a question of plastic because plastic bags weren't a thing. But um, I, and I heard you talking about this the other night with the paper straws. Yeah. People are, people are, oh, we hate the paper straws, bring back. And I'm like, I don't think even in the days of plastic straws, I don't think I ever used straws for anything. So why does everybody want the straws back? For yeah. what? It's funny. I went to a, this is, sounds like it's a big thing. Uh, I went to a pub the other day. And now that I'm just a club soda guy, they bring you a pop, the club soda, with a, the plastic straw in it. I don't know if that game's going to oh, change once September. They, Sorry? Sorry, can't they give you a glass? I, well, they, it was in a glass, but they, they brought me a straw, so I used the straw. But I don't know. Oh. Do you never get to go to a movie and get a soft drink? or I, uh, like? The, the, well, I don't drink pop. Okay. Uh, oh, you're good for you. Yeah, good yeah. for you. Yeah, real good. Okay, what other health tips you want to give us right now, Dan? Okay, you're yeah, better than yeah. us. Um, oh, there are lots. I gotta How say, else do you want to make me feel terrible tonight? Yeah, Dan? exactly. Starbucks <laughs> does have a pretty good sippy cup lid because I've gone in there and ordered water and I thought they were just going to give me like a Dixie cup water and they like gave me this huge cup with this lid on it and that's what they serve all their cold drinks in in the summertime. So maybe everybody could go towards that but we're not going to miss any plastic plastic bags all that kind of stuff dan i do miss the plastic bags and i noticed it a couple of weeks ago when i was cleaning up in my kitchen and i needed a plastic bag to put some garbage in i didn't want to use a full-size garbage bag i didn't need one and i'm like man i could use a plastic shopping bag right about now uh, this is the story of my life. Like all of mine have now gone and there's just this giant mountain of like reusable bags by the door. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you and if you're anything like me, you forget to put them back in the car. Yep. So you go to the grocery store exactly. and you have to buy yeah. another one. Or in my That's case. why I've got a million of them. It's because I can't remember. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that is all of us guys, but I, uh, hopefully we'll um, all learn. I don't think this is a Toronto story where a Toronto realtor says that the rental market is unhinged. These numbers might be higher in places like Vancouver, but proportionally where we are right now is crazy. So when this real estate agent says that the prices are unhinged, it really is. I mean, I have no idea how anybody is doing it out there. And, uh, it's, it's crazy, guys, whether you're, I mean, we're in Toronto, Montreal, and Ottawa, and so if you're listening, but if you're listening in Windsor, rent is out of control there, too. It's everywhere. It Man. is one of those things that kind of, it crosses all borders and municipalities here. Like, here in Ottawa, I think the story last week was it's $2,100 a month for the average one-bedroom here, which is, uh, which is pretty substantial for a lot of people. And uh, I know this one particular story that I was reading here from Toronto. I don't know. I think we've all come across landlords in our lives that would sell, you know, a closet for 500 bucks a month if they were. But sure. it's just it, it, the market is one thing. But I think gouging people out of a form of kind of, you know, making them pay 75 percent of their income for a home is is kind of out of bounds. But I, I don't know how we fix it either. You know what? I get I'm not very smart because I know I should charge more for my uh, the apartment that's in my basement. But 
I bought my house, you know, 18 years ago. And so the amount of money that I need for it to help me out is still the proportion. It, it's still, it's, right. I don't need to get $2,000 out of it. I probably could, but I don't. And I'm getting ripped off, but I don't know. I was uh, going to say a lot of landlords take the opposite track, right? They'll milk every single penny they can. Sure. And <laughs> maybe I should. Uh, I probably yeah, should, Dan. Uh, well, I mean, I think I think you're at the ideal, you know, landlord, and, and I'm in the same position where, you know, I haven't my my rent hasn't been raised to an insurmountable amount, Bill, and I'm very lucky. But what the prices we're seeing now, this is like New York City in the 1990s. Like my ex-wife, uh, when she was studying in New York City, um, the, she, she had two roommates in an apartment for two people. So two roommates each got a bedroom. The third roommate slept on a futon in the living room. And I, I kid you not, the entire apartment wasn't really much bigger than the bedroom I'm sitting in right now, yep. where, I, where I have my studio set up. And they were paying at the time, in, in like 1993, $1,500 US a month. Jeez. I don't know what that is now, but we're seeing comparable <laughs> prices in Toronto and Montreal and, and other cities here in Canada. I don't know what the solution is either. Dan, do you have a final take? Um, well, I'm going to go back to what I said before. I mean, I know it's Friday, I know it's the weekend, but I got to throw this out to the prime minister and extending that to the provincial premiers and, and the mayors. We need to do more to keep Canadians safe, to protect our freedom here at home. Well said. Uh, Andrew Pinson, tomorrow morning, 6 to 11 on CFRA. What's your final take? Well, we're still dealing with the, with the with the war, and I know emotions are kind of incredibly high in all of these kind of protests and things. And I just I urge everybody to just try to take a breath and and uh, kind of uh, understand each other uh, as much as possible. Amen. Yeah, uh, it's it's I mean, very grateful that we can take a break maybe over the weekend and not pay attention to these headlines that so many people are embroiled in. And maybe that is a selfish thing to say, but it can be very draining even uh, following uh, from thousands of miles away. We'll take a look back at the week that was. Scott Reed is going to join us in a moment on the iHeart Talk Radio Network. Welcome back to News Talk Tonight with Jim Richards on the iHeart Radio Talk Network. End of the week, taking a look at some of the big news stories that involved our federal government that this past week. And we do that with our friend Scott Reed, who is a former advisor to a prime minister. Scott, how are you? Not bad. I thought you were going to add to my resume there. No, no, no. I was going to say a job I used to have. Outstanding power skater, uh, mixed drinkologist. No, I I have this thing that quite often when I'll introduce somebody and it's a big fancy title, I'll also say, I'll say at the end of it, it's the job I used to have. And I thought that was given that you're an advisor to a prime minister. I thought that maybe I wouldn't be qualified and you would belittle me. So I uh, ducked away from it. I would take great umbrage. Do you know I walk in rarefied shoes? Uh, who is, do you ever look down at other people who were advisors to prime ministers and like, how is that guy as good as I was? Or do you often look at other people who were advisors to prime ministers and think, how the hell did I ever get the same job that guy had? I'm sort of, by default, very stuck up. 
So, you know, I should answer that, that I'm always looking down on others. No, I always thought like, how did I get here? And I mean, that was what everybody else was asking uh, also. But when I was growing up, they were like, like I was interested in politics, but I was interested in the nerd backroom aspect of politics. So like my heroes weren't politicians. They were the guys that worked for politicians. And so, yeah, like I think about, you know, you know, the, the Tom Axworthy's of the world, the people that, you know, worked for JFK, Teddy Sorensen. And I'm mm. like, wow, like imagine, you know, like those people knew what they were doing. I was just basically bumbling around from, you know, one cigarette machine to another. But uh, were you yeah. ever were you ever like, wow, really? In terms of you ever like give advice and then somebody's like, hey, that's a really good idea. And I'm not saying that you don't have good ideas and I'm not saying you wouldn't give advice, but I'm wondering if to yourself when you think, hey, I was a kid who always admired, like you just said, these other individuals, and then you're giving advice and somebody's like, hey, that's a good idea. And you're like, really? Because <laughs> that, that would no, be I, me. That would be me. I, I mostly had the opposite experience where I'd be like um, offering advice to people and every once in a while I would look around and go, uh, I'm a complete poser. Like I'm an utter imposter in here. I can remember being in the white house and we were, uh, the prime minister and the president were about to go out to the, um, Rose garden and do a press conference. And I'm standing in the oval office and suddenly the president is firing all these questions at me. And he's like, well, what are you asking about? Why are you saying that? Why wouldn't I say, why, what, what are they going to ask me? Why would you suggest I say that? And, uh, I'm firing back answers at him with complete faux confidence that I absolutely must be listened to and my instructions must be followed. And then a guy walks out and I'm like looking around, I'm in the Oval Office. I'm like, what in hell am I doing here? Did uh, he say any know? of the things you told him to say? Yeah, a little bit. We got into like, you know, uh, I got along with Bush. Like It was George W. Bush and he would like, um, he'd always like walk up to me and start talking about sports. He remembered that I was interested in sports and he loved sports. So like we would just kind of like, you know, uh, kind of bro show it out together every time we were together. Oh, that's interesting. He also tried to get me to drink his fake beer. He had a very, he came to Ottawa. We did a, um, did like a formal, like we did the whole red carpet treatment and had a formal dinner for him and all that. And at the reception, he had had flown in his own near beer because he, he doesn't drink, mm. but he loves beer. So he has his own near beer. He had it flown in and he was on my ass. He's like, try it, try it. And his wife is standing there and he's like, Bob, he's going to like it, right? And she's like, oh, yes, it's very good. It's very good. And, <laughs> and he's like, I know you're a beer drinker. Come on, try it. And then I and it tasted like piss. And I was just like, oh, God, yeah. you know, but you go like, yeah, you know what? I can see where you're coming from. That's pretty tasty. Maybe go. I'll drop the real stuff. Uh, which never happened. Uh, I know. Never, I know for ever will happen. Okay, let's talk a little bit about this past week, if we have any time. Uh, I mean that in a good way. Justin Trudeau and his comments about Israel this past week. I just, I mean, I know that you didn't appreciate the uh, comments, but I'm wondering what battle he's doing behind closed doors where he's trying to watch walk this tightrope. I mean, at the same day, Netanyahu is uh, angry at him. He is ambushed by 250 people in a restaurant in Vancouver, yelling shame, yelling, uh, you know, call a ceasefire. So it's interesting. He got himself into a situation here where everyone on the issue dislikes him and disagrees with him. Yeah. And look, you know, some people use this goofy rule where they're like, well, everyone's mad at me. I must be doing something right. No. Or maybe everyone's mad at you because you're trying to straddle an issue that's impossible to straddle, which is, I think, where they are right now on this, or because you're incoherent and inconsistent. Um, I have been pretty severe because I was really puzzled. 
by the the public posture and, and and it's not just you know I have a I have a strong personal bias in favor of Israel and you know I think Hamas a ter- Hamas is a terrorist group but yep. but set all that aside just uh, as a matter of craft as a guy who used to work in a prime minister's office just borrowing from the last conversation I would say that what you need to do in a situation like this is be 100% clear and consistent and coherent and the problem is that we haven't been and so you know at first we came out very strongly much like the united kingdom much less much like the united states firmly in favor of Israel's right to defend itself, recognizing that there was going to be tough times ahead, uh, calling for pauses. So there's a humanitarian quarter. And then we kind of started to inch towards ceasefire. Then we boomeranged back. Then we boomeranged toward this, which very much positioned Israel as the aggressor and put the onus on Israel that they had Mm. to mind themselves, not the terrorist organization. And so the big takeaway from my perspective is now no one knows what you're about or where you are. And that's a bad place to be. Your allies don't know what's Canada's voice about. Uh, you're not going to have any private influence if publicly you're calling out Israel and then they're publicly responding aggressively to you. Um, and you're not going to win the adul- uh, adulation of any of the uh, domestic audiences because as we saw, and as you pointed out, um, the Israeli community here and Jewish community in Canada is very upset about the comments. And, you know, he can't even go to dinner um, without having sort of, you know, a pro-Palestinian rally uh, slam through his second course. So um, you got to get consistent and you cannot be gutted. I know people go, oh, it's all politics. And he's trying to like, have it both ways because he's his caucus is divided and the country's divided on this issue. That Garbage. You can't do that. Not on an issue like this. You have to have a point of view and like it or lump it and take the criticism. Yeah. But what you can't do is try to have more than one point of view because you're going to get hammered on all sides. Well, with the polling numbers with him right across the country, that might not be an issue. But if he's having problems with the Canadian public, is he having problems with his caucus? And is that not why, like, what is there, 23 people to want him to have a stronger voice and call for a ceasefire within his caucus? I mean, you're saying you can't be seen to be being this guy walking the tightrope or being wishy-washy on it. But how much does he have to worry about his caucus and what they might be thinking and demanding? Not much, in my opinion. And, you know, there's going to be different views in a in a caucus of his kind. It's large. It represents different communities in different parts of the country. So naturally, on a question like this, you're going to get different views. Um, But I don't think any of those are really like endangering his position, their apparel to his leadership. None of that. All right, Uh, Scott, I think we talked too much about, you No, we talked enough about you. I enjoyed talking about you, but I think we've run out of time because we talked about you. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. There's a lot of you. It was kind of like Marianne well, we Little Lamb. Right. We didn't get to other things on your docket because of your great stories is what I'm saying. I know they're lame stories. Can yeah. you imagine how many times the guy next to me in the bar stools heard this like over and over? Did I tell you I worked for the prime minister and I met President Bush and yeah, I was a big no, deal. No, no, I'm just roll sure. their eyes and I go. I'm I sure they down? all enjoy it. Uh, Scott, have yourself a great weekend. I appreciate you hopping on with us. Take it easy, pal. Cheers. Take care. That's Scott Reed with a look at the news stories of the past seven days. I'm Jim Richards. This is the nighttime friendly on the iHeart Talk Radio Network.